right. Welcome to Best Laid Plans. This is episode number 18, and I am so excited to welcome Cal Newport onto the show. I am a Cal Newport super fan. Like, I have been reading and listening to his stuff for kind of an embarrassing amount of time. Cal, I was a study hacks reader back in the day. I've been blogging for probably maybe as long as you have, 2004. So I'm one of those kind of old guard people, but I've been following your journey throughout and I've been so excited to see you release your own planner and get really nitty gritty into planning methods. So that's what I would love you to talk to our listeners about today. Do you want to introduce yourself a little bit more? Well, yes. Well, thank you, Sarah. I'm, uh, I'm happy a podcast exists that is this deep into the productivity geekery weeds because that is my happy place and <laughs> I don't always get to go there. You've also been blogging longer than me. So I was 2007. So you're really on the you're really on the old guard. So I'm, I'm, I'm quite impressed by your independent social Internet spirit there. Yeah. So, I mean, to introduce myself, I, so what I would be saying is, uh, as, as you know, you know, I got started writing as a young man, as a student talking about productivity for students and then moved on to talk about careers and to talk much more recently about technology and culture. And this planner I just released was a, a, for me, a really fun return to some of the productivity weeds that I got started with in my early writing, a, a chance to sort of release to the world, my secret sauce. So it's been, I've enjoyed the opportunity recently to, to, to get away from heady topics about tech and culture and social media and just geek out a little bit. And clearly, there's been a great response to that, too. You have your own podcast called Deep Questions with Cal Newport. And a lot of that is focused on planning. I know some of it does go off onto the other spheres that you've been interested in. But there's definitely um, a high number of questions that uh, focus on your planning techniques and things that you've found to be kind of universal truths in the planning world. So I can see that that is going to be a perennial topic for you. And I am thrilled that you are back to those productivity roots personally. So the first thing I wanted to talk about was capture, configure, control. Um, I will admit I love the David Allen GTD methodology, but I do see some opportunities there. And I was thrilled that you kind of took it a little bit further and adapted your own system. Can you talk a little bit about what those three steps are and how it differs from classic GTD methodology? Yeah, well, well first of all, I'll say uh, today in particular, I am worried about the David Allen uh, fans coming for me. Uh, so, so the day we're recording this, I, I, I published an article in the New Yorker titled The Rise and Fall of Getting Things Done. So we'll uh, we'll see we'll see how that shakes out. Actually, it's very positive about David Allen. It's actually a piece that's much more about the fallacy of trying to make all productivity personal in the workplace. And this notion that, okay, we just leave it up to the em employee to figure out how to get stuff done, that that's outside of the scope of organizational practice, I'm arguing leads to problems, which is just my way of saying to the David Allen crowd, please don't come after me with pitchforks, I'm on your side. Uh, but talking about capture, configure, control, that is how I summarize how I think about productivity, or at least my, my personal productivity systems. And the capture piece is David Allen. I mean, that that is uh, that comes from directly and with full attribution to David Allen's notion that Things that exist just in your head is a source of stress. Those quote unquote open loops uh, are going to drag down cognitive performance. So you want everything that you are obligated to do or potentially obligated to do to be captured somewhere where it'll move into a system that you trust. Uh, configure 
Alan talks a little bit about this, but I take real seriously trying to actually work with and not just clarify, but throw things out and modify and add new things and then uh, plan around the various things that you've captured. So it's all of that whole world of how do I look at this universe of things I want or have to do and figure out my plan for actually doing things? What do I want to do this week? What am I thinking about for the quarter? What's my bigger picture vision? Maybe I need to throw out these tasks. Maybe I need to modify or clarify those tasks. I think most people don't spend enough time dealing with the things they have to do and maybe just too much time actually doing them and then control the final piece of that philosophy. That's where we get the time blocking, which is, I think, when it comes to your actual day, for example, uh, I believe in having a lot of control over your time and attention. So something like time blocking, where you actually give jobs to your time, I want to do this during this time and this during that time is way more effective than a list-based approach like Alan might instead promote where you just sort of react to emails, go to meetings, and when you get a chance, look at list and say, oh, what can I take off this list to do next? I think you need to see the entire day in my control philosophy as like a gestalt. What's the best way to move all the pieces around for this day, not just what's the best thing for me to do next? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I feel like I saw time blocking as a term being used kind of casually before I learned your personal definition of time block planning, when it became a lot more of a very concrete way of, you know, really structuring the use of your minutes. And then your sort of twist on that is when things go awry, as they do, to consciously recraft kind of go back and, okay, time block the rest of your day. Well, I got sidetracked for an hour, but I still have six hours of work left. How can I possibly make the most of these six hours? I'm going to actually draw that out rather than continue to look back at a list that's kind of messed up. <laughs> um, and I'll be honest, I, I, I really use your methods on some days. And those are the days when I tend to have more autonomy. I'm a practicing physician. So on days when I see patients, as much as it seems tempting to time block, it's sort of pointless because my day is laid out for me based on Epic and who is there for me to see. So there's not much I can do, but I found it so incredibly valuable on the days that my time is less structured. So maybe since we are going to talk about your planner a little bit later, just a little more deeper dive into the process of how you time block plan and maybe take us through like it's Wednesday. Let's say it's a day that you you know mostly have autonomous time to do all your stuff that you do, which is very many things. Take us through that process. How do you fill out your time block planner? What is your process of blocking that time? So I'll uh, I'll open up to you know my daily pages where I have my grid for doing the time block plan. And I'm a big believer in multi-scale planning. So I, I have these larger quarterly plans and then I'll make a plan for my week. And then each day I'll do a time block plan. So when I'm doing my time block plan, the higher scale I'll look at is my weekly plan. So when I do my weekly plan, that's when I look at the bigger picture plans. So it all hooks in. So that way, when I'm just thinking about what do I want to do on Wednesday, I'm not looking at my vision for what I'm trying to get done this fall. All I'm looking at is my weekly plan. And that weekly plan, I had looked at that vision and looked at my week and how busy it was and how much autonomy I had and what my goals and milestones were and what deadlines were coming up. And for the week, I made a plan of if we're going to stick with what we have for the quarter, this is what needs to get done this week. And so I'll look at the weekly plan. Uh, and then I'll look at my calendar, you know, crucially what's actually scheduled. And then I will look through my task capture. I use Trello to store and organize and sort most of my tasks. So I look at all of those. Yes, things. I'm going to have you delve into that more too in a little bit. So keep going. I know. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm happy to geek on Trello. So then I look at all those things. 
Um, and then I will I will copy onto my time block plan. You copy the things, the the anchor, so the appointments, meetings, etc. that you already have that are on your calendar. Those get moved into the time block plan. Uh, and then based on my weekly plan, what I've seen in my task list, I try to figure out what do I want to do with the spaces in between. And I'll actually say it's the days with less autonomy for me that the time blocking becomes more important because the time is more slivered. And those are the type of days where take 20 minutes or 15 minutes or 10 minutes and just think about, hmm, I don't have a lot of give here. And maybe this hour in the morning before my first meeting is the most important hour of the day. And well, I have 20 minutes here that you can get so much more out of that those days in particular than if you don't. And then it's, you know, you have a meeting and a half hour block, let's say to another meeting. And, and you know, there's a little bit of web surfing, you check some email, that 30 minutes is gone. But if you've time blocked it and said, okay, there's this thing that's really important. And actually I could get it done in those 30 minutes and it would be off my plate and it wouldn't be a source of stress. It's not something I'd have to work on after work hours. Uh, it can make a real difference. Ah, that's so interesting. And it does kind of make me think like, well, it's true. If I have like a deadline the next day on my patient care days, I manage to find those little bits of time to do stuff. Otherwise, it just gets filled with patient phone calls and and stuff like that. For those of you who've listened to this podcast for weeks and are thinking, did Sarah just get all of her methods from Cal? The answer is no, um, (laughs) because I have a lot of similarities and that I have those nested kind of horizons. And I got some of that from David Allen and some of that myself. Our differences is I do add like a quarterly or quintile into my horizon. So I don't go straight from, I think you go from quarterly to, sorry, you don't have a monthly. You go from quarterly to weekly. And I have a, I have a monthly stuck in there, but that's, but yeah, we have a ton of, a ton of similarities there. And I haven't had you riff as much on kind of how you narrow your horizons each time on your podcast. So I'm just pleased to hear that's very similar to what we've talked about on this podcast and what I do in general. So that's so cool. Okay. So that is the, I love that. That's an interesting point that time blocking can actually be very useful when you do have a lot of hard landscape items on your schedule, because you can get a lot more out of those slivers than if you just use them to say, check your email or some other kind of default type of behavior. Okay. So one thing, uh, you know, that's always contentious is paper versus electronic versus both. Because um, I certainly, you know, we live in a digital world. I use an electronic health record. I use Outlook for my email. I have a lot of work items on Outlook. But I also love having everything in one place on paper. But I'm curious because your time block planner is more like a little weekly overview and then daily pages. I'm guessing that's not kind of like your hard landscape calendar. Does that more go online? Um, talk about the intersection of how you use digital versus paper. Yeah, I think digital is very good for high volume or high throughput information on your organizational landscape. So uh, calendars, I think in most professional situations, digital calendars are far superior. Not only are there a lot of different appointments that come and go, there's just an increasing use of digital calendar tools like invites that get sent and show up automatically on your calendar. You can also synchronize multiple calendars. I use Google Calendar. So I have my personal, uh, I have a, a calendar of hard landscape things. I have a separate calendar of, of sort of scheduling type appointments for myself. And I separate those two because I can make the hardscape landscape calendar visible to my wife. Right. So now she knows like, oh, you have a, you know, a meeting then, but she doesn't need to see the sort of more internal schedule things where I might block out notes to myself. Like this is basically this deadline. Remember this or that, which, which she doesn't need to know about. 
Uh, so I, I think digital calendars are very useful. And I think for storing tasks, uh, this is a discovery that came out of David Allen's work so long ago, but there is so many raw obligations on the typical knowledge worker's plate. A digital storage solution for that is probably optimal because you may have two, 300 tasks and you may churn through that quick or need to organize that quick. And I think it's just hard to do that on paper. My listeners know this is my main separation, for example, with uh, my friend writer Carol's bullet journal system. I really like that system, but I think it doesn't work well for certain types of knowledge work jobs, especially those that are email and calendar driven, where you may have two or 300 tasks at any one point, an incredibly rapidly shifting shared calendar, and one to 200 emails a day that each represent their own obligations. In that type of landscape, having a single analog solution in which everything is kept in track, I think, unless you're an incredibly fast writer, becomes kind of difficult. So I see my time block planner as what it does is just one thing, really, the control piece of my philosophy. All right, I'm going to use this to make sure that I get the most out of my time and attention each day. The assumption is you have a whole other universe of productivity tools with which you do your organizing, your capturing, your calendars, your tasks, and all these type of things are all those are all captured in whatever configuration makes the most sense for your particular like personal and professional constraints. Yeah, I definitely see that. And as much as I love bullet journal methodology as well and feel very inspired by it, especially as I'm drawing out kind of like daily layouts, it would not be uh, it would not be able to be enough as my sole configure system. I think I yeah. would go well, crazy. And, and, and you're a perfect example because in medicine, for example, there are very bespoke systems like Epic configurations, you know, specific to your practice that you have to work with. And a lot of knowledge workers have their own equivalent of that. I have to use this shared Outlook calendar as how we organize X. I have to, my tasks need to be here because it's how we coordinate with these contractors or whatever. And that's one of the things I was reacting to is uh, there are some planner approaches, I think, for example, where there's a lot of work trying to be done by the planner. Like we're going we're gonna to try to help you figure out what you should be working on and how long you should be working on. And there's sort of like worksheets and this and that. And my take is that in, in sort of high-speed knowledge work environments, there's a very complicated productivity environment and it's very bespoke depending on the position. And a planner can't play the role of like, let me tell you what you should be doing in that context. A planner can't be playing the role of let me keep track of all of your things. The best it can do is after you make sense of all that, help you sort of get the most out of the time you have. Yeah, I see that. Even as someone who also does keep a paper calendar landscape with the hard stuff, I see what you're saying. It's it's not a it's not a good configure tool. It really is not. In a way, you can capture and you can control. You can capture some. You can yeah. control. Configure needs to kind of be somewhere else. So I do want you to talk a little bit more about Trello because I've had a lot of listeners ask for a deep dive into Trello. I actually know you literally just spoke about that on your podcast. So it's kind of funny timing and we can direct them to that episode as well. Um, but I am by far, that is not a system that I tend to use. So, and you are, use it in your daily life. So talk a little bit about how you organize your boards and how you use that and how it plays an integral part of your configure step. Yeah, it's funny. My sister sent me a text message, I think the other day, I think because she heard me mention Trello on the podcast that said, who or what is a Trello? So <laughs> inquiry minds want to know. Um, I use Trello. You are in for a treat because support for today's episode comes in part from Jenny Kane. I love Jenny Kane and I hope you love shopping there to support the show. When you do visit JennyKane.com and use code plans for 15% off your first order. 
Mother's Day is just around the corner, and this is the perfect gift to treat all the well-deserving moms, moms-to-be, and mother figures in your life. Jenny Kane is a California brand through and through, and their staples make getting dressed easier than it's ever been before. Think minimalist and effortless, yet totally refined. This season, I am so into the beautiful dresses that Jenny Kane has on offer. My personal pick and what I'm hoping to wear all season is the Callan dress. I have it in the khaki color and feel like I could literally wear it to anything. And the best part is it's perfect for warm weather, which we have plenty of, but you could also layer it in a chilly air-conditioned space. I also have my eye on the day dress. It's such a classic silhouette. One thing you might not know about Jenny Kane is that they also have an incredible rewards program where you can earn up to 10% back with every purchase and joining is completely free. Find your perfect Mother's Day gift or curate your new spring uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code PLANS, P-L-A-N-S, at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code PLANS. Get yourself and the women in your life the best gift of all, Jenny Kane. Today's episode is sponsored in part by Factor. Factor is sponsoring this episode with an awesome discount code, PLANS50, to give you 50% off your first month and 20% off the next. Trying out our sponsors helps keep the show going, and I think this is a wonderful time to give it a try, given that it's always a busy season. Factor offers no prep and no mess meals that are tailored to your wellness goals. They offer multiple options from protein plus to plant-based to keto and many more. No matter what your health goals are, you can keep kitchen time to a minimum while enjoying healthy and delicious meals with premium ingredients with Factor. You can get started feeling great and fueling well now by giving them a try. Head to factormeals.com slash plans50 and use code plans50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code plans50, P-L-A-N-S 50 at factormeals.com slash plans50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In a simple way, and I, and I do I do try to emphasize this that I, I don't have some sort of complex setup. I mean, if anything, this is like one of the points I make in that that New Yorker article I referenced earlier. Is I, I I'm pushing back on the like early 2000s mindset that that you can sort of substitute the complexity of your system for difficulty in your work life. That the system can somehow take care of the hard decisions for you, and then you can just crank widgets and it's all going to work out. And so I emphasize that. I don't have a magic complicated setup in Trello. What I do is different boards uh, for different roles. So I like the cognitive separation of separating tasks from one professional role from another professional role. So I have a board for writing related things and another board for computer science research related things and another board for my professor role, like class related things slash administrative, like sort of university administration. And they each have their own board. Because I, I, I think those are separately, cognitively separate. Then within each board, it's pretty simple. So I have columns for 
Uh, typically, I have one on my podcast. I actually went through and read through all my columns, but it's a little bit different per board. But I typically have one that's called like to process or ambiguous or something like this, where I can throw a card where it's, I know something here needs to be done, but I, I can't, I need, to, I need a little more information. I need to think about this, but I don't want to have to store it just in my head. So you just, you drop the big, messy, ambiguous mess there, and then it's on a list of things to be processed. Uh, then I have a board of like back burner, I usually call it. Like these are things that I need to make progress on, but it's not particularly urgent. I have a, a column, I should say not board, a column for what I'm working on this week. So it, in my weekly plan, I move stuff to it. Uh, then I have a column of waiting to hear back, which I find to be very important. When I'm waiting to hear back from someone about something, they're sending me something, they're going to answer something I sent them. I can add a card there uh, so that I don't have to keep track of it, but I'm also not going to forget it. And then the final thing I'll add about Trello is that what I really aggressively take use of the back of the virtual card. I really use the cards as a place to collect, a centralized place to collect the relevant information about an obligation. I'll put detailed summaries, I'll put links to websites, I'll attach files, I'll put checklists. So I'll really consolidate the information relevant to that particular obligation. I'll consolidate it on the card so it's all in one place. So it's not, not super complicated, but just those columns and having a different board for every role, it just makes it so much easier for me to get the gestalt of this is what's going on in this role. This is what's going on in this role. That's what's going on in this role. Much better than just having one very long list, I think. No, that totally makes sense. My much lowbrow version of that is to use Apple Notes and just have separate, like, because you can kind of keep separate sets of lists and I have my work list, I have my podcast list, I have my life list. How about the rest of your life? You're busy. Your kids are actually very similar in age to my kids. And I noticed that as you were having kids and announcing on the blog, I'm like, hey, we're like almost in sync here. So mine are almost three, six and eight. And I know oh. yours are sort of similar. And almost and exactly the same. Yeah. So that's funny. So yeah. Obviously, having all those kids, I understand. Trust me, I'm living it. It brings a whole host of stuff. <laughs> so how do you keep that? And a lot of our listeners are parents and you know, some of them are women. I think we have some male listeners, but probably more women than men. So I'm interested in how you organize those tasks. Do those also go into Trello? Do you have a separate system? I did hear I, the shared Google Calendar is very popular and we do that as well. So I'm curious how the personal fits in. And on the weekends, you talked about not time blocking, but then I did notice your planner contains time blocks for the weekends. So do you use those pages differently or have different ideas of how to use those pages? Yeah. So what, well, starting with the last question, uh, yeah, I usually recommend not to time block evenings or weekends just because running a time block schedule is very intense and you need time to not be doing that intensity. I mean, you, you, you will just burn out if you're, because there's a time pressure. One of the reasons why time blockers get so much more done is you're on the ball and you want to hit your block. So you, you come at your work with an intensity, but it's also sort of stressful because you see the boundary coming up and you're trying to, you're, you're trying to get things done uh, in time. So the reason why I still have the standard pages for the weekend is what I still recommend people do for the weekend is you, you want to capture, first of all, what you have to do. So the whole notion of the planner is you don't have to interact with the digital universe to see what you should be doing or how you should be doing. So you can copy onto your your time block grid for the weekend day. You know, I'm I'm going to this appointment here and the kids are going to practice here. So you you have that written down and then you have capture pages. So you can still capture things and notes and ideas with your thing wherever you are without having to go into your computer. And I, I talked about this on my podcast recently that knowing the things you have to do is important for the weekend. I also recommend people think about like their big rocks for the weekend. Like, okay, it's what I'm Saturday. We're going to clean out the whatever. 
and I want to go do X. And, and then maybe also having a list of some smaller things you hope to get to. I think that level of planning is important. You don't want to just wing to weekends, but you want to step back a little bit from every minute has a job because it'll burn you out. So uh, that's kind of the compromise. We didn't re we don't want to redesign the pages for the weekends because we figure it's pretty similar. You're mapping out maybe like when you have obligations and maybe a rough plan. So we just kept it as it is. In terms of my home related task, I probably should just use another Trello board for that. For legacy reasons, I actually use a related tool called Workflowy for my at-home task. And I, I use it in a relatively similar way. So Workflowy, I love it. It's just indented list, right? So a web interface, but list, and you can just indent list, and then you can indent indented list, and you can collapse any list you want. So you, if you want to like uh, manage a project, like a household project, like I'm just finishing up redecorating my oldest son's room, you can have like, okay, a list for room redecoration that you can collapse. And then under that list, you can indent and have like different, you know, things, uh, bookshelves, curtains, or whatever. And then under each of those, you can collapse or open up and have smaller points for like buy this, buy that. And so I like that feature for planning those type of complex projects. Uh, and you can do tags. So I'll, I'll tag all the things I'm working on for a given week. And then you can tell it just to show me the thing. So it's sort of like a very light, light version of OmniFocus. All of that can be done in Trello as well. I just did a big overhaul last spring when I was getting overloaded at Georgetown because I had a big administrative role I had to take on and, and that plus COVID really made that administrative role even more difficult. I overhauled everything in the spring and moved all of my professional things on the Trello. I uh, got my team that I was working on at Georgetown on the Trello as well. And I just haven't got to making that transition yet with my personal thing. So I like Workflowy a lot as well. So I recommend that. As you were describing it, I was thinking that sounds very GTD friendly. So then the fact that it kind of has a relationship to OmniFocus is, is interesting. Huh, I, I may have to check that one out as, well, I'm pretty happy with my Apple Notes. It's, it sounds similar, but I love the idea of kind of being able to collapse and go, go deep into a list that's maybe a few indentations in. That's pretty cool. Well, we have just a few minutes left, and I want you to be able to tell everybody a little bit more about your planner since we spend a lot of time on this podcast reviewing planners, talking about planners. So what are some unique features about your planner? Who do you think could benefit from it? Give us the elevator sales pitch on the Cal Newport time blocking planner. Well, uh, maybe the first and most important thing I'll say is that I actually launched the website timeblockplanner.com that really succinctly explains, here's what time blocking is, here's what the planner is. It has a short video that, that shows, okay, here's me, here's the planner. I open it up, I show how it works. And this was less for my listeners who kind of know a lot about it, but more as a way for them to explain it to other people. So that when someone else is like, what's this weird thing you're doing? Or what's this planner you're always opening? They can just say, oh, timeblockplanner.com. Now, that was sort of the vision there. So that'd be the first thing I say. Uh, the whole philosophy is captured succinctly there. Now, to get a little bit more into the weeds, so the time block planner, what it gives you is for every day, you have two side-by-side -side pages that you're looking at. And the right-hand side is a time blocking grid. And so it's multiple columns. You build your time block plan in the first column. When you get knocked off your plan, you just move over one column and fix it. If you get knocked off that plan, you move over another column and fix it there. So it's a time block grid that is customized for repairing and, and modifying plans as your day goes on. Left-hand page is capture space. So if you have something come into your horizon of capture while you're working on a time block and you don't want to get interrupted, you can capture it right there. 
And above it is a place for tracking metrics, which is another big thing I push on my productivity system is tracking metrics about things that are important to you in your professional and personal life. There's the official space. You can put them right there. Seeing that space when you're looking at your plan help motivates you when you're doing your plan because it reminds you that I'm going to track in this metric space what I do during the day. So there's a nice synergy there. And then the final crucial piece is I have the shutdown complete checkbox. Uh, that's a, a big part of sort of Cal Newport productivity lore is this ritual of having a, a shutdown routine that you do something attention catching and unusual at the end of the routine. And so my, my readers used to actually say the phrase schedule shutdown complete when they would finish this routine because it's a crazy phrase. But the, the point was they could tell themselves later in the evening when they felt rumination arise about, ooh, am I missing something in work? I got to think about email. I got to think about my calendar. Instead of addressing those ruminations by going through everything on their plate, they could say, wait, I said that crazy phrase. And I would not have said that crazy phrase unless I had gone through that whole routine. So I should be okay. So the planner replaces that phrase with a uh, shutdown complete checkbox. So you get to do the satisfying X in that box, which signals to your brain, we have shut down work. And if you get stressed about work later, you just have to remember that you checked that box and you would not have checked that box if you had not reviewed everything. We're safe not to engage the rumination. And I think for a lot of people, that's been a real lifesaver in terms of just reducing unnecessary uh, post-workday stress. So I have all of those elements in my system captured here on high-quality paper with a ribbon to mark where you are in a notebook you can bring with you wherever. Awesome. Well, I'm sure lots of our listeners will be interested in checking it out. I am highly motivated by checkboxes, so I love that idea. I'd probably use a giant brush pen to like, you know, sign with a flourish. And the habit tracking or the metrics, um, I do, I, I, I'm a big proponent of daily habit tracking to keep these things in your awareness that you really want to be doing. So how great to have a space that's actually dedicated for that. That's awesome. All right. Well, tell us where our listeners can find you. You said time block. Uh, Timeblockplanner.com. Timeblockplanner.com. Yeah. Yeah, You can find out more about the planner there. And then I am at calnewport.com. And my podcast is Deep Questions. But beyond that, you can't find me. I don't use any social media. And I am relatively hard to reach unless it's someone like Sarah writing, in which case, uh, <laughs> in which case I will get back. Oh, well, thank you so much. It was thrilling to have you on here. And I am sure everyone's going to be excited to check out your methods and your planner if they haven't already. All right. Well, thank you. These are my people. Planner people, productivity people. I love it. We all speak the same language. Thanks for having Yay! me on. You're welcome. Wow, that was so exciting having one of my planning idols on this podcast. Really, I'm not kidding. Cal has written so many amazing books that kind of center around topics adjacent to planning. And it's only on his podcast where he's really gotten deep um, into the weeds on his specific techniques. And some of them are very similar to mine, although I don't think I got them from him. I think it's been more of a parallel evolution um, of sorts. But no, he really does a great job with what he does. One thing we didn't talk about during the interview was his stance on social media, although he did mention at the end that you cannot really find him anywhere else. Um, And that is because he is one of the inspirations behind my drive to really minimize the role of social media in my life, which I have successfully done over the past few months and really slowly over the years if I think about it. But really, mostly over the past few months in a more meaningful way. 
And I credit him and his book, Digital Minimalism, which is um, probably my favorite of his books so far. I know that he has another book coming out in March about the role of kind of email and the way we do work um, in most knowledge work jobs today. And I'm fascinated to read that. I don't anticipate we'll get him back because he was very excited to speak about his planner on this Planner Focus podcast, but just putting a word out there to look for that release as well. And I'm sure I'll mention it here. All right. Well, thank you so much. This is a little bit of a longer episode. So if you stayed on till the end, thank you for staying with me. As always, you can leave me in a review if you'd like to do something nice for the podcast, either on Apple Podcasts or your platform of sorts. And you can always find show notes at theshoebox.com and then go to the icon that says best laid plans and click on that. Or if you just want a shortcut, if you go to the shoebox plans Instagram, I have actually linked the podcast site in the profile. So now it's easy to find it that way as well. Keep the questions coming. I am going to work on another Q&A episode soon. I've had some great questions. There is a chance we may take a break next week because I do need to give my wonderful sound engineers some time off for the holidays, and I don't want to get them too many recordings back to back. So if you don't see me the week in your feed, the week after Thanksgiving, my apologies, but I will be back the week after with more planning fun. I have lots of Um, A few more reviews coming along as the end of the year draws near and people have mostly made their 2021 selections, but we will continue this podcast through into the new year talking about goal setting and resolutions and habits and organizing techniques and many more things. So please stay tuned. Again, this is Sarah Hart Unger. You can find us at theshoebox.com. Find me. What am I talking about? There's no us theshoebox.com or at shoebox underscore plans on Instagram. Have a great week. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.